Our scripture this morning is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Whitney. Uh, welcome to Midtown. My name is Matt Avery. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad you're here this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for us uh, before I preach which is what we normally do, but I'm going to pray for something specific. I would love for y'all to pray with me. Um, I have a friend named Femi who is Nigerian, and as we're talking about timing and the Lord's providence and what seemed like beautiful timing, he brought him to the United States, directed his path to Charlotte, to call, felt called to be a pastor. He's enrolled in seminary. He's got a, a God's just taking care of him, and he went back for what he thought was just a month back in Nigeria to see family and teach um, some pastors some of what he's been learning. And then when he came to um, return, they denied him twice, and we don't really know why. So I'm going to pray for, for him this morning and just ask you to pray with me. Father, we are... Um, we're just, we're people. Uh, we endure what people have to endure and what people have had to endure since the, the beginning of human history. And we encounter beautiful things. We encounter very hard and horrific things. And all of that somehow is, is this life that we've been given and been called to. And, and Lord, we, we come in this morning and, and those things can really disorient us and cause us to, to wonder where you are and, and how all this stuff works together. And certainly our friend Femi is, is feeling and experiencing that. So Lord, we pray that you would be with him in a special way. Give him peace. Uh, please resolve this so that he can return and return to the things that uh, you've called him to. And Lord, I pray that you would allow him to see your perfect timing and the time that he is still there. And, Lord, we pray that for ourselves. We, we desperately need you to show up, Lord. We, we are ill-equipped to, to handle life on our own terms and, and alone. And so we ask that you would come and keep your promise and you meet with us here in a special way as we open your word, as we sing your word, as we meet together in fellowship, Lord. So come and just through your Holy Spirit, transform us. Don't leave us unchanged. And we, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. The glorious lamp of heaven, the sun, the higher he's a-getting, 
the sooner will his race be run and nearer he is to setting. That age is best, which is the first, when youth and blood are warmer, but being spent the worse and worst, times still succeed the former. I wrote that this week as I was thinking about... <laughs> as I was meditating on this passage, it just came to me. Um, does, anybody, does that sound familiar to anybody? You heard that before? That's from, it was not from, but featured in one of my favorite movies, Dead Poet Society. And, but this, especially this last stanza here, uh, where it talks about the age is best, which is the first. Um, is that true? Is that, you know, life is this, like the flower of youth is beautiful and, and innocent and, and wonderful, and then everything's just this slow, steady downhill after that? Is it? Does, you know, does this have meaning? Does any of this have meaning? Are we going somewhere positive? We're, we're, uh, our summer series is called The Way of Wisdom, and we're looking at Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and we're asking the Lord to give us wisdom, to help us be wise to live in the world in which we find ourselves. And so last week we were in Proverbs. This is the first week in Ecclesiastes, um, both written by Solomon and in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is concerned with the question of whether any of this has any meaning. Do all of these things that we busy ourselves with, is this going anywhere? And <clears throat> he's wrestling with these kinds of questions because he's looking and observing the world and he sees this endless cycle of round and round. People come and people go, but the common denominator is that everybody goes. So what is this building toward? And he has a moment of clarity in this passage. This Ecclesiastes to me is, is a very honest conversation he's having with God and himself. He's dipping in and out of belief and understanding and unbelief and frustration. And so in this passage we're looking at today, he has this moment of clarity where um, he is telling us that human history is not this endless cycle of around and round, things repeating, things coming back again. Certainly there is a seasonal aspect to life on this earth, but all of human history is actually one very meaningful, very intricately woven story that has a beginning and an end, and that's where we find ourselves. And so there is a storyteller and he tells us three really important things about who this storyteller is. Who is God? And so three things that we're going to look at today about this God is one, that he has perfect timing, that he is a God of timing. Two, that he is a master artist. And three, that he is invitational. And I, I hope in God's timing that he teaches me how to use this microphone. There will be one, there will be a Sunday when I don't mess with this up here. And so um, I want to start with uh, this idea that God is a God of perfect timing. Uh, these first eight verses, he starts off this passage by saying, everything has a season or an appointed time. So all of these things that we're going to encounter in our, our human experience all have an appropriate time. There's an appointed time for all of these experiences that we will, we will come across and it says that there's a time for every matter under heaven. That phrase, under heaven, means that he's talking about everything that we're going to encounter in this created world. 
So there is a creator who is allowing our lives to unfold in such a way that he has his perfect timing um, for us and all of, all of the life events that we're going to encounter. So everything has purpose. Uh, the, the poem, this is a poem, verses 2 through 8, about the seasons of life. And he's using a, uh, a Hebrew poetic structure called mirism, which is when he lists these two things on each line, what he's essentially saying is it's not just that there's a time for this and a time for that. It's that there's a time for both ends of this spectrum and everything in between. So he walks through here and he just talks about life on earth, that there's, um, there's seasons of our life, everything from birth to death. I had a really interesting, sobering moment this week. Uh, the place where I work out is uh, we were out in the parking lot doing sprints and we're right across the street from this massive graveyard. So it's a real sobering moment of like, I'm here, but then I'm going to be over there. And we're trying to get in shape, but one day we're not going to be in shape. Um, so I was just weeping. No. Um, there's actual seasons. There's, it says there's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. Um, there's a time to take, take life and a time to restore life. There's a time uh, for each, everything on the full spectrum of human emotions, from deep sorrow to deep gladness. Uh, there's a time in relationships for growing in intimacy. I, I did a, a wedding yesterday, and that was a beautiful celebration. And I also went after... <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> After the wedding, uh, I was getting coffee and talking to a guy about how his three-year relationship ended, and he was just beside himself. There's a time for gathering life experience when you're young, and there's a time for pouring that life experience back out when you're older. There's time, there are all sorts of seasons for our work. There's time to build something new. There's time for that new thing to be broken down, and there's a time to to speak into something, and there's a time to remain quiet. So all of these things, um, what does this mean for us? Uh, well, one, it means that Solomon is telling us that life is lived on both sides of that ledger, that you cannot escape. We want to live in the laughing and dancing side, but he says you are living on both sides. You will encounter all of these things, not just the the side that you want to encounter. But the good news is, one is that you're not alone in your suffering, okay? Um, that is comforting. That whatever you find happening to you or whatever you find yourself experiencing, that is not unique. That is the human experience. Everyone from the beginning of time to today is experiencing in some form or fashion the things that you are experiencing. And so the beautiful thing is when you encounter suffering, especially really intense suffering, it seems like it has no meaning, that that is not a sign that God has left you or that he doesn't love you. That's just a sign that you're human. Another really important thing for us to, to take in here if we're going to be wise is he saying there is a God who is allowing your life to unfold in a certain way? He has already numbered your days. And so the decision we have is 
whether we're going to get on board with that or not. Whether we're going to accept that that's reality and lean in to see what He has for us in these seasons, even the really hard seasons, or not. Or if we're going to choose to live in a reality of our own making, which is actually fantasy land, and, and pretend like we can write our own stories. Um, I'm really sorry if this offends anybody here, but I, I think you know, the illustration that came to my mind about this was just this whole idea that we can defeat aging. You know, it's like first it was like 40 is the new 30, and now I think it's up to like 80 is the new 20. <laughs> and there's a lot, a lot of surgeries happening, a lot of procedures being done for people to help um, live in this fantasy land that they're not actually aging. Um, you see a lot of grandparents rejecting the, the more common grandparent names, like call me grandma or call me whatever. Instead, they're coming up with new names, like, you know, call me Hottie McHotterson or whatever it is that like makes them feel better about aging. But it's like, you know, we can live in a fantasy land and have all of that take us by surprise and be depressed every morning when we wake up and look in the mirror. Or we can live in reality and lean into this and, and say that there is beauty in every season. And so maybe this is a season where I stop trying to win Homecoming Queen and begin pouring out my life and the life experience that God's given me into the, the people that are younger that he's put in my life and to appreciate the things that come at this stage of life. And, and it's not just... We all do that in our own ways. We all choose little ways that we want to create a false reality and not live in the reality we find ourselves in. Um, a way that I struggle with that as a, a father of young children is I still like to believe that there is a reality right now where I get all the sleep that I want. And I can either fight that or I can engage it and say, Lord, you have this for me right now. I don't love it, but there, there are good things in this and being open to see what those are. So, I mean, we're talking about this God who has perfect timing. That's not always comforting, especially when you find yourselves in a really, really horrific situation. And so it's also important to know that this God who has perfect timing is also a God who is a, a master artist. Um, not only does he have perfect timing, but the purpose that he has in allowing us to experience all the things that we experience is a good purpose. It is, it is a beautiful purpose. It is for us. Um, someone, someone turned us on a couple weeks ago to the, the artwork of this French artist named Bernard Pross. Has anybody heard of this man? Um, it's re really interesting, and I'm going to show you in a second here, but he, he actually, I'm just going to show you the video, and we'll talk about it after that. Isn't that amazing? Like, I cannot think of a more perfect illustration for what we're talking about here. It's this matter of perspective, and we find ourselves, you know, if, if we're in that studio, 
we find ourselves walking around in the middle of the junk. And, and we're watching this man take literal pieces of junk and place them with care in these seemingly random spaces in the room. But he is making a beautiful masterpiece. And we can't always see that. Um, here in this passage, in verse 9 and 10, Solomon is really wrestling with this question of, you know, here's, here is all of this that we've just talked about. Here's all of what it means to be human. Here's all of the human experience. And really, like, what is this for? Like, what profit is there? What benefit is there of me walking and living through all of these things? Because he says, I've seen I've seen all of these things that people have to deal with. And then he says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. God has made everything, not just one side of the ledger. He has made everything beautiful in its time. How has he done this? It's this. It's this thing behind me. Like this, no matter what you or I have experienced, that event in history is the most ultimate challenge to that statement that God has made everything beautiful in its time. There is nothing that you or I will experience that will be more unjust, more cruel, more horrific than what he has allowed to happen to Christ on the cross. Jesus was an, the only innocent man. He lived a beautiful life. He was leading people to life. And then greedy power players came and just destroyed him. And they hung him up on a cross and he just bled out alone. And you're like, how, how can that be beautiful? How has he made everything beautiful in its time? That's the most horrific thing I can imagine. But thankfully, on this side of things, we see. It's like we get a little glimpse. We get to walk around and look in the, in the square and see how he's made that beautiful. It's for us. Like, that's how he has loved us. That's how much this God loves us. Paul says in uh, Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time had come, that there's even a season for this. There was even an appointed time where this is what needed to happen. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So that the one thing that you and I were made for can become possible again. That we can be united to the creator God who made us and enjoy intimate relationship with him forever. That's how he has made everything beautiful. And because we can look at what he has already done, we can look ahead to the promises that he's made that aren't yet fulfilled and know that we have a sure hope that they will be fulfilled. So what does this mean for us in Christ? 
One, it means that I, we get to escape the pressure of having to fix the situations we find ourselves in or the people that we find ourselves with. I don't have to try to make everything good and okay right now because that's not my job. God is doing that, and in a real sense, he has already done that because, remember, he operates outside of time. He is not bound like I am or you are to live in this linear way. He has already made all things new. He has already redeemed everything. And guess what? He is a much more talented artist than you or I are. So like, I don't need to be writing those stories because I want him to write those stories. Something else it means is that we can follow Jesus and engage in reconciliation. We can watch what God has done through him and learn how to follow him and engage in our careers and engage in our families and engage in our relationships for the glory of God. And we never, ever, ever have to worry that anything that we're doing is wasted. So like now we are, we are above threat of anything that we do being meaningless. Because we know that as we walk with him and he leads us and we follow him into the relationships and into the events that he has allowed in our lives, that he has purpose in that and he is doing something beautiful through us. And so even if my company falls apart or this relationship falls apart, that does not mean that anything is wasted. Nothing is ever wasted in God's economy. And that, that's what frees me up to run with reckless abandon into the things and the relationships that he's called me into. And then lastly here, one more thing, maybe, maybe the hardest for us to believe is that he is redeeming me. That he's not just doing something through me, he's doing something in me. And so even in those times where I am tempted to despair because of my sin or because of my failings or because of my weaknesses, like I don't have to look at myself. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I just need to look at him because it has nothing to do with me. Because of what Christ has accomplished on my behalf, he is making me new. He is making me perfect. And he will complete the good work that he started in those who are his. So even when you don't feel like it, you never have to despair. All of this is leading somewhere, and he is leading you to life. And that hope is secure. And I want to stop here and just reemphasize, because I think there's a thing that we can do if we've really lived through some stuff and we've really done some stuff. It's easy to read in a condition like, oh, yeah, I just have a little too much to drink or, you know, this is for people who just lie a little bit or this is for people who whatever. But like whatever I've done is heinous. And if you knew that, you would know that what you're saying does not apply to me. OK, that's a lie. This applies to every person because that's that is how powerful the work of Christ on the cross is. There is, is no person who is outside of the grasp of his mercy, outside of the, the canvas of his transformation. So if you are saying that to yourself right now, you are lying to yourself. And that's foolishness. The way of wisdom is to live in reality. And that's reality, that this is, this is an open 
invitation to everyone. So this God who has perfect timing, who is a master artist, that's wonderful. But we still have to live, we have to leave these doors and go live today. And, and especially if we're in a season or a place where it's really hard, um, what do we do with that? And so the last thing I want to talk about is how this God is also invitational. Um, the second half of verse 11, it says that God has set eternity into man's heart. What does that mean? It means that there's this drive in us to see things completed and coming together that are too big for this world. There's something in us that it hungers that when we see death, we think that's, that's actually, there's something wrong with that. Like there's something in me that rebels against that to think that someone just dies and then just ceases to exist. And C.S. Lewis says it like this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it and to suggest the real thing. So he has made us for eternity. He has set eternity in our hearts. But then a really confusing, interesting thing he says after that. Yet, so that he cannot figure out what God has done from beginning to the end. So in a sense, Solomon is saying, God has put eternity into our hearts. We have this deep desire to see the puzzle completed, but he is also guaranteeing us that we will not see that in this life. Why does he do that? Why, why do we find ourselves being caught in between time and eternity? This is intentional on God's part. This is intentional because this tension is an invitation that drives us to relationship with this God. Um, we want to see the whole picture so that a lot of times so that we can be independent of him. As, as a mentor of mine once said, um, many times our prayers for clarity and understanding are thin re, thinly veiled requests for God to give us what we need so that we never have to come back to him again. He wasn't talking about my prayers when he said that, just to clarify. Um, you know, that's, our, that's, that's the problem of sin, is that we want to know so that we can go be independent, so that we can go do this on our own, and God loves us too much for that. He has given us this tension as a gift to save us from ourselves so that we will come to him. It's today's Father's Day. Um, that, for many of y'all, is maybe life on both sides of the ledger right there at one time. Um, but the reality is that we have a heavenly father who is at work in his studio and what he is doing in our life when we feel this tension is he's inviting us to come and sit with him in his studio while he paints and to come sit with him and to watch him and to learn from him to be reminded of what's true to be reminded of what's coming and he's also teaching us how to make beautiful art like he is so we are freed up from having to go it alone when we live on both sides of this list. Um, we are never alone. 
this is the invitation. The, the way of wisdom is, is to come to this God. Jesus uh, in Matthew 11 says this, Come to me all who labor and are heavy, and bearing heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So that's an invitation to put another way to say, if you are worn out by the seasons and times that you've found yourself having to endure in this life, come to me. And who, who is Jesus? He is wisdom. He is wisdom in a person. He is the God who created this world on his own timetable. He is the man who experienced all seasons of life. He is the God-man who allowed his father to paint our sins all over him so that he could set us free. And he is inviting us to come and be with him. So how do you, what does that mean? What does that mean to come and be with him? Well, a few things. One, uh, he's given us, you know, what we said before, I think we even said it last week, several key avenues to meet with him. One is he's given us this, this body of believers. So whether it's the first time or the 10,000th time, he invites you to come to his children and say, will you help me meet him? Will you walk with me? Will you pray with me? Will you help me explore this, maybe for the first time? He gives us his living word. He gives us this text that we're, we're talking about because he says, I'm revealing myself in my word to you. And he gives us his spirit. It comes and lives not just with us, but in us. So we are never alone. And that he gives us understanding. He opens our eyes to see who he is and to, to have a relationship with him and opens our hearts to receive his love and love him in return. And so this is the way of wisdom, to learn from this master artist what to do with the time that you've been given. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your gracious invitation. Thank you not only for your gracious invitation, but for what makes that invitation possible, Lord. Thank you for all that you have endured so that we could be united with you. And... Um, and thank you, Lord, that, that, that was a, even that was a joy for you because you love us so much. Lord, we ask that you would come and just, again, show us how to live. Give us wisdom. Um, teach us how to make art like you. In Jesus' name, amen.